Hello, I am Elkie Pascoe from The Little Oak Company. We're excited to take our panel discussion from this year's retail global event into a lively podcast from Orca Studios right here on the Gold Coast. Well, isn't this the greatest example of adapting to a dynamic environment in which we live? No one is stranger to the perils of COVID. And today I sit here with my fellow experts at this year's retail global event here on the Great Gold Coast. And thanks to the unfortunate situation unfolding in Brisbane, uh, this year's event has sadly been cut short. But we are certainly not sitting still. In fact, in just a matter of hours, we have gathered together some of the greatest minds and brightest minds here on the event to record this podcast. And we're here to talk to you about growing your business internationally, or as we like to say, going local to global. And joining me today are some of the greatest e-commerce experts and marketers around Australia. Um, first up, I'd like to introduce um, our activewear authority, Don Robertson from Stacks, who makes some of the most fantastic, flattering and premium range of activewear for men and women. It's some of the most comfortable workout gear on the market, and I should know because I'm sitting here in some of it now. Thank you for Don for that. And we've got... Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm, vi- I'm visualising it now. Please, it's amazing. It's great. <laughs> We've got Frida Kiev from World First, and World First is one of our favourite partners at Little Oak, and they're one of the first, and certainly in my opinion, the best um, money transfer companies in the world. And finally, we have my newest friend, Teresa Aprile from Brand Crush. Now, we only met last night uh, at the Retail Global VIP event, um, but we are destined to become firm friends. I just know it. And Teresa's company, Brand Crush, is a media platform uh, where brands can unlock new revenue and activate new customers. It's really above my pay grade, but I'm sure Teresa's going to do a great job <laughs> of explaining it today. So over and above that, um, Teresa is also one of the sharpest marketers I've met in a long time, and we're super excited to have her here today. So is everyone ready to wing this? We are ready. <laughs> we're ready. We're going to freestyle this. Not free the ball, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, um, the idea today is really just to sort of um, talk around the, um, I suppose, e-commerce and how you go about growing a global business um, globally using e-commerce. And then I really sort of want to get under the bonnet um, of some of the specific pitfalls and uh, pratfalls of international expansion into new markets. And together, I'm hoping that by the end of this, we can have a lively discussion around what that means for these up and coming and aspiring uh, global entrepreneurs. So I wanted to kick off um, actually with you, Don, if you don't mind. I just really wanted to, I suppose, just get a sort of a general feel around some of your insights into the emerging markets and what traps to avoid and how you see the world, (laughs) and I I giggle here, uh, has changed during COVID and what that's meant for uh, you and your team at Stax. Thanks, Elke. Um, Look, your intro was fantastic. Um, I think I got a lot of credit. I think you used the word expert. Um, <laughs> I barely finished high school, so um, thanks for that. Doesn't matter, um, none of us have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's just a testament to the world we sort of live in now. You, you know, you have to pivot, you have to adapt, you have to be forward thinking. And, um, you know, I think a young mind can really take things to the next level. Um, geez, Stacks is, it's interesting for us at the moment because we boomed during that COVID period. And, and a lot of people would have said, you know, it's because of COVID. Um, but we had sort of um, cemented our roots early on. You know, we've been sort of playing in the space since 2015 and I've made every mistake you can think of in e-com and we've um, sort of learned from that. And we, we're realising that the market and the world is moving fast and I think that COVID period just pretty much 
um, accelerated things by about 10 years. You know, the, the world was going to be there in 10, 15 years. And we've all sort of realized that e-com and international trade is probably, I just, I just think it's been accelerated. Um, what was the question? <laughs> no, my question, I was really, yeah, I suppose, it, um, interested also to understand, um, you know, you, you talk about the number of mistakes that you made along the way. So, you know, if you're sitting in front of an aspiring uh, young, you know, global uh, entrepreneur, you know, what are some of those traps that you fell into specifically? Maybe give me your top three, given that you made all of them. And then perhaps um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what advice you'd give to the next generation of, of um, you know, CEOs at Stacks? Yeah, I think for us, um, start small. Um, you know, the, the biggest the biggest lesson we've given anyone that I've spoken to is start small. You know, a lot of people try and think of this Facebook and Amazon generation where, you know, people like myself that barely finished school that want to embark on this journey and build the next uh, tech platform. But for us, you know, when you're selling a product online, um, you know, you got to sell one product at a time and then expand on that. So I always tell young dudes, I'm like, make sure once you've sold your first 10 hoodies, you can duplicate that and sell it to your best friends, best friends. And, and once you've done that, you want to be able to make sure that your machine is built. So we've we've spent a lot of money um, in our first venture in e-com building a website. Um, I think we used Magento at the time and we used developers to build it. And I think it sunk us like something like 22,000 bucks. Um, and by the time we were able to start using it, <laughs> we'd run out of money and um, couldn't operate or sell anything. So um, I pretty much shut that down. And then we, I, I actually taught myself how to use Shopify. I used every YouTube tutorial you could think of um, just to learn how to do, you know, basic template formatting, um, Photoshop, et cetera. And then just start small, learn every facet you can of your business. And then um, as time goes, you'll be able to hire the right people to sort of accelerate that. Um, yeah, first piece of advice, start small. Second, spend very little. And three, once you have your head wrapped around it, double down on that. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think certainly from um, my experience at Little Oak, that's probably the exact three same pieces of advice I would give, um, and I would certainly add to that, which is, do you know this this concept that you have an overnight success? The reality is that overnight successes are, uh, you know, at the very least a five year, you know, five years in the making, um, and it's hard work, and you've got the sleepless nights, and you've got to roll the sleeves up, and you've got to call on every favour that you possibly can. So, um, to all of those young, amazing people out there just prepared that this is a longer journey and a longer road than you probably anticipated but it's there for those that are hungry for it um i'm really interested actually to um to understand as well don just looking forward what do you see you know what are the overseas markets that have been going really well for you at stacks and why you know where are you putting your efforts into in, in the next kind of couple of years yeah, I think for us, our um, our goal and focus, my, my personal strategy in leading this business was to make sure that we could be aggressively well known in Australia first. Um, you know, I had I had zero intention of investing in different areas of the world when you know we we couldn't even make it in our back home. So we we've pumped it here for the last four or five years to a point where you know we are very comfortable to take on those bigger markets and. Um, it, may, it only made sense for us to then aggressively attack the markets we understood. Um, you know, so what I mean by that is, you know, cultures and countries that speak English, cultures and countries that 
you know, trend the same way we do. And then, so for, for example, it would be, you know, the majority of Europe, um, UK, uh, New Zealand and US, those are all big players for us. Um, where the challenges started coming in was those Asian markets because in, in the spaces we play in, you know, social media is at the forefront of everything. You know, you got the Facebooks and the Instagrams and we spend uh, aggressively and intelligently on those platforms and you have the Googles and um, you know, PPCs and SEOs that we understand that we can work. But the moment you start hitting those Asian countries where these um, platforms don't exist, you really have to start thinking out of the box. And that's sort of, that's sort of for us where the challenge comes in because you, you need to be able to understand the cultures before you can sort of enter the market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's a, uh, that's a really interesting segue because I might actually throw to Teresa at this point because um, being a marketing expert across, you know, across the globe, I'm really keen to um, understand your thoughts around taking a brand into, you know, into different markets because what necessarily works in Australia and the way you apply it here isn't in our experience and what Don's supporting me with that on as well is that it's not always going to work the same in other in other markets. So what's what's your advice and what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, when you're taking a brand globally, you obviously have those core pillars of your brand and they'll never you'll never deviate from those. But I think where you really need to think about um, how you um, obviously customise it to the country that you're activating in, it's very much about the customer experience. And so every time, you know, in the, the businesses that I've run and obviously been a part of, um, I've always looked at that customer experience, everything from the website. So if someone is landing in your website, are you talking to that country? And is it a experience what are the friction points um, all the way right through to delivery so I think people underestimate that they start to focus so much on the branding you know what does my Instagram feed look like and um, what does my logo look like in each of those countries but actually the most important thing I find is looking at those touch points all the way along the journey to the point in which the customer experiences your brand um, and if you do that and you it's actually a really good assessment to do that when you are looking at expanding into markets. Um, to Don's point of, um, around culture, you'll be able to assess whether or not there's a really cultural disconnect and, you know, what do you need to do to be able to get over that cultural disconnect or you may not want, you may choose that you don't want to go there to start with. So it's, you know, experience the experience brand through the consumer, you know, and actually work with the, with consumers directly and um, understand the end-to-end. And really that's that's the best way to explain to globally. Mm. Um, it, you almost need to simplify it down to that. Mm, absolutely. And I think the, um, I, you know, I think we've when you decide you're going to, A, start a business in, your, in its own right, um, and there's a million things you, you don't ever think of. Um, there's a million things that you get kind of hit with that you have to learn very quickly quickly about. Um, one of them's obviously adapting it to, um, you know, adapting the brand to different markets. I know from when um, obviously starting Little Oak and take starting to take our business across Asia and America and into New Zealand, there was, you know, things like the regulatory environment that we all just, you know, kind of <laughs> didn't understand but learnt very quickly. And one of the other things that was, you know, really important for us was, was also about understanding how we can do things more efficiently. So understanding, you know, that monetary piece as well, which is why, you know, we have uh, Frida here from World First, because one of them, and I said this on a podcast some time ago, you know, without World First, I'm not sure how much money we would have lost and I wouldn't have been on the wiser. I just would like, that's yes. the only way you, that's <laughs> the only way you move, yeah, you only move money through a bank and completely get, uh, well, 
I would use a, a kind of a, an offensive word, but I'm not going to hear. But, you know, you, they, you end up spending a lot of money with them. So tell me about um, World First, Frida, and how you see um, your place in up-and-coming e-commerce operations. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Elke. That was a great introduction. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, World First, we do two main things. So we help um, online sellers or um, e-commerce or global businesses collect funds locally uh, in locally based currency accounts. Um, and uh, we also help on the supplier side. So we can see the inflows and the outflows um, for uh, e-commerce business selling globally. Um, so especially with the trend uh, over the last 12 months, it's interesting what you yourself, Don, and um, Elke, you touched on, it wasn't really COVID that changed things. So what I've actually seen in the last 12 months that businesses that have already been established um, for two, three years, they doubled, tripled, some have even quadrupled just during COVID because they had their plans in place. They were ready to restock and they understood what they needed to do to, um, you know, calculate cash flow, where they could save money. Um, they had their proper plans in place. And um, it was interesting when you, I see that the people who were just starting out never really wanted to go online um, are, are now taking that leap forward. Um, and, and COVID pushed them um, to, to go online um, yeah, I found that was really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I certainly found just for from my point of view, and Don, perhaps you can roll in here as well. I think there's, you know, there's so many things you have to think about in any given day with, uh, you know, with running a business, whether it's just a domestic business or whether you decide to take the big leap and go globally. But um, it's just how simple a service like World First is. You really do make it um, significantly easier to, you know, whether you're transferring $5,000 overseas or you have to you have to pay something into your bank account in New Zealand or what have you. So how is it that from a World First perspective, how are you working with your customers, big and small, to give them a service that um, that's yep. efficient? Yeah, so one thing that's very important... Um, right now is basically saving money. Um, that affects your bottom line where you can save uh, on foreign exchange. So many businesses don't know how much they, they could save by switching to a foreign exchange um, service such as World First in comparison to using their banks. So traditionally, if, if you want to send funds to a supplier based in China, based in the US, the UK, Europe, you would automatically think, okay, money, I need to go to a bank. Bank sends money overseas. Um, so what you would find is when you're watching the news and you see the exchange rate at, let's say, 76 cents, and you go to, you know, one of the big fours and you'd say, okay, if I convert my dollar now, they give me 71 cents. So that difference um, is how much they're making per dollar. Um, so what a lot of people still don't know um, to this day that that they could get a much, much better exchange rate that's actually really close to what you see when you watch the news um, or if you're going on onto Google. Um, right now it's around 76 cents. Um, if you use a company like World First, it will be a very, very small um, difference. It will be, um, let's just say, market rates at 76, 20, you might get a rate of 76 cents. Um, very, very close um, because of our small margins. And people 
um, just don't realise how much um, they could save um, on foreign exchange, just one part of the business, just with foreign exchange, uh, where they could just throw towards marketing spend, um, towards, you know, all those bills and extra stock, you know, your next shipment. Um, you could save hundreds of thousands, uh, tens of thousands, depending on your volumes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I was uh, really interested to see what Don had to say about that because I think, you know, you probably have as much, you know, that experience in those overseas currencies and bank accounts and stuff. So what's, what's your uh, experience been, Don? Thank you. I mean, dying to jump in here with um, World First. So, guys, that was an absolute game change for us um, during that COVID period. You know, the, the dollar dropped to something ridiculous like 62 or 63 cents. And uh, if you can imagine, you know, if you're buying, you know, tens, twenties, thirties, forty, fifty thousands of dollars worth of inventory from China and paying US dollars, you know, you're spending almost, gosh, we, we would have lost tens of thousands of dollars just in excess fees, but also not understanding um, foreign currency, right? So, you know, most people that are producing their product overseas would usually be paying for it in the US dollar because that's the international trading um, currency. Um, When we sort of switched over to working with, uh, well, first, Frida completely changed my perspective on how to trade. Um, and what to be aware of. The other thing that really worked in our favour was um, forward contracts, you know, being able to secure certain favourable exchange rates because, uh, you know, one thing I don't think that young um, entrepreneurs really focus on or are taught, it's something we certainly struggled with, was, um, you know, clearly understanding cash flow management. And if if the dollar changes and fluctuates, it has a real um, negative effect on your cost price of your product, which obviously affects your entire trading um, module. So, guys, huge, huge emphasis and focus on, you know, currency control. Um, We had such a great experience in this process. Yeah, I, and I think, yeah, I'd support that entirely um, because for our for our business as well, I mean, obviously the cost saving is one, you know, the opportunity cost, the way that money you save, you can put it into other areas of your business, which is, uh, which is always a big thing when you're starting a new business because there's always so much to do and never enough cash. Um, so I'm interested to know um, from you, Teresa, as well, if you obviously work with some great brands in your time, um, who do you, or where do you see in terms of market play? Where do you see, if you're an Australian, an up-and-coming Australian brand, whether that's in activewear or infant formula or, you know, hair toggles or in my, you know, slime or stress balls or whatever that might be, where do you see the most exciting markets um, and opportunities for a, for, a, a, for a company and brand? What I've seen for myself and within Brand Crush and also obviously Brand Crush has a number of brands on the platform so we can obviously see um, the experiences that each of these brands are having. Um, the US market is is going to boom. You know, it's obviously gone through a bit of a tough period but actually they're talking about walking into the roaring 20s and we're already starting to see that, the absolute heightened growth. Um, during the conference we, I heard from a number of, of brands saying that they had experienced the same growth in the US market. You're also dealing with a consumer where culturally there's obviously a lot of similarities there. So it's a really easy market to be able to expand to. And when you think about, um, you know, you're advertising on platforms that are global in nature, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So you're, you know, by default reaching that audience. And, you know, sometimes you're pushed into those markets before you're ready for it. Um, obviously setting setting up global accounts and, you know, having, you know, legal um, the, the regulations and whatnot in order is things that you need to have in play. But 
I think the US market is a really powerful market and it's also a market that has a number of distributors. So that's really something for, um, you know, for brands to think about in terms of stepping into a country. You don't need to necessarily need to go and establish your own office. You can start to tap into that distribution network um, and th there's a number of those brokers and distributors in the US market that are really about getting your product into people's hands or in um, actually streamlining fulfilment. So I think from that perspective, obviously, the, the very clear language, um, low language barrier. I definitely think it's a market that um, Australian brands will continue to excel in. Great. And Dawn, actually, that um, that does remind me in terms of um, in terms of that uh, that um, piece around regulatory. What what have you seen in terms of going into Asia and what have you? Have you had any you know issues with uh, regulatory pieces um, for your brands, or is that something that um, that you experience at all? Not necessarily. Where, where the challenges for us kick in are those new um, taxes that are implemented across the world. So we, we actually struggle with the uh, Middle Eastern countries when it comes to certain taxes, um, import taxes in particular. And um, Asia's been pretty, been pretty friendly on that front. Um, we also are starting to get little hiccups with Canada and, you know, with the UK and their Brexit scheme, um, I think they're charging an additional 15% tax, which a lot of brands have decided to pull pull out of. Um, but we're sort of looking at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, we, you can factor those costs into your cost of goods. Um, as far as regulation is concerned, you know, we're, we're active. We're, we're fashion. Most mm -hmm. of the uh, product is cotton. So um, we're, we're pretty good there. One thing I just wanted to comment on um, with the international trade, you know, during – that challenging COVID period as well, you know, the, the postal systems of the world really stepped up and showed us that, you know, they can still move stuff around in really tough times. OzPost did a phenomenal job in Australia um, and, and, you know, the premium services like DHL, you know, did pretty well worldwide for us. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had a poor experience there. Mm. We um we actually have to have to take my hat off to THL because they were they were like phenomenal for us in terms of getting product over to uh, America on time and um, you know when it comes to infant formula uh, it's you know it's a little probably a little different to activewear even though everyone wants their activewear you know as soon as possible so they can look fantastic um, but when it comes to infant formula it's sort of a essential ingredient and essential product should I say so if it doesn't arrive on the time that the baby needs it you know we're under a lot of pressure and you know the brand reputation issues that come with that. So DHL, we found, I have to say, were, were fantastic. Um, OzPost, yeah, they did a good job, but obviously they were slowed up by the fact that they didn't have their own planes and what have you. But Don, just very quickly before I sort of then go to perhaps wrap up, I actually, it was the one point I did want to talk, Teresa mentioned, which is around distributors. So perhaps what would you say again to these, you know, next generation of e-commerce experts around how to pick that sort of market entry um, piece, you know, distributor when to, you know, move from a distrib distributor or distributor model into your own sort of structure in a country? How, what's your experience been? Look, I think it's subjective to the business model you wish to build. Um, I think the, there's a key thing for me in, in that equation that's challenging is brand. Um, we find that, you know, we've sort of looked at distributors and 3PLs and for us there's just no way that a distributor can deliver the product as good as we want it to be. Um, you know, for us, the brand is everything. So we sort of steered away from that and we still do D2C 100%. Um, 
at this stage, we, we have looked at setting up warehouses um, and a team on the basis. So we've looked at um, one in Amsterdam and we're looking at the US. Um, but we still want to manage everything ourselves. Um, we find it a bit challenging to you know, pass that whole process on to someone else. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Very good. So guys, I, I think we've had, well, I think it's been a great chat. I'm really keen to throw a kind of the last minute sort of hot seat question at you. Um, the first one is going to go to Frida about the, um, around the opportunities. So just looking forward, you know, really, what are you seeing as the opportunities for Australian online retailers seeking to expand globally over the next sort of 12 months to three years? Oh my God, there's so much. Um, but it's what what's important and what Don, Elke and Teresa can, can definitely um, agree with. So you have to understand your brand, um, your market, where you want to market. Um, so depending on what your business is, now if you're not online is the time to be online. Online is the future. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is the future. Um, that, that's why everyone's here. That's why everyone's listening. Um, so, uh, depending on your product, your brand, um, there, there's so many different avenues, different marketplaces that you can expand to. Um, so you might go down the Amazon route, um, um, break out into the US market via Amazon US, um, because in Australia there's 26 million people, and in the US, uh, someone can fact check me over 300 million, I believe. Um, and um, you can break out to Amazon EU, uh, Japan. Uh, there's Amazon Singapore now. Um, you can, you know, sell on Catch of the Day, um, US, um, Wish. There's Trade Me in New Zealand. Or you can build your brand like Don has, you know, with, with a massive Instagram following um, and, and really break out on Shopify with your own brand and, and build it that way. Um, I've got so many clients... Um, just doing so well um, in, in the US market um, and looking to break um, out, out, to, out, out to other markets. So basically just understanding your brand um, and obviously one step at a time. So if you want to focus on Amazon US, do that first. And then once you're successful, move on to the next. Don't have your uh, fingers in, in too many pies. Um, just just understand what, what your goals are um, and what, what your business plan is and, and work, work on one thing at a time. Fantastic. Um, Don, last question for you. Tell me which overseas markets are you ex- uh, most excited by and why? Yeah, same, US. Um, mm-hmm. we, you know, we've just we've just put our little toe in the water. It's such a ripe market. Um, population is is incredible for us. Um, and they just love fashion. Like it's just it's just such an exciting space for us right now. And who who over there is not gonna love stacks? I mean your stuff is gorgeous. <laughs> It's going to be a hit. I love it. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> um, Teresa, last question for you. Um, so what is your final piece of advice for all of those budding global entrepreneurs? I think, you know, to your point earlier in terms of um, just the opportunity spaces aren't only online and I think you need to look at your omni-channel strategy. Um, I think there's, you know, there's going to be, there's a huge amount of growth already in that online space and so it's really important that, um, you know, br- online brands, direct-to-consumer brands consider how they're going to cut through. So I would really, you know, challenge everyone to really think about that omni-channel strategy to make sure that you're, you're cutting through the noise because there's going to be a lot more p- people competing and that cost of acquisition is going to be skyrocketing soon. So, you know, get creative and, um, and think beyond just the online purchase. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And speaking of creative, how do you think we went today? <laughs> winging it, wing freestyle. It. <laughs> Did we freestyle? <laughs> well, listen, um, thank you everyone for listening to what is essentially our impromptu COVID uh, special podcast here today. As I say, we'll, we'll come up with a name later on. We might regroup, get the band back together in a couple of months' time. Um, and thank you to Stuart at Orca for his lastminute.com effort to get us here in the studio today. Oh my God, you're amazing. Um, and I just love talking to everyone here Don, thank you for your time and phoning in from Sydney. You got out of uh, the GC just in time, it appears. Um, Love you guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) Frida, thank you to you and the team at World First. Wouldn't be here without you. You guys are just fantastic. And Teresa, lifelong friends, BFF. It's going to be a great trip. Thanks, Alki. I'm a a bit jealous, guys, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) We'll fly over to Sydney. Yeah, we're going to get out of the Gold But anyway, listen, everyone, thank you for listening. And for more tips um, from our experts, feel free to um, to jump on their website or connect with them on Instagram or LinkedIn. Or please visit the Little Oak website where we'll be sure to upload this podcast. And no doubt our good friends at World First will be doing the same. Um, and I know that um, the, the team at Retail Global are going to upload it as well. So we'll post that up there and we'll have details on all the speakers there. But for now, thank you for, um, for your time. And we hope you all get back to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and wherever you're going safely and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks again.